Great to see all of you here this morning. Springtime's upon us. How many of you are enjoying the springtime that we've had for like two months? <laughs> oh, man. I want to start this morning with um, a little bit of an apology and a solution for why I need to apologize. That'll work. Uh, we had to cancel Friday night's meeting. We had some pretty serious logistical issues. And um, I understand some of you came anyway because you didn't know we canceled it. And that's what I am apologizing for. And so what we try to do, you know, when email first came out, everybody was so excited, everybody read them, right? I've got 790 emails on one of my four email addresses. I have no idea what's over there. That's making a point. But what we do, the way we try to communicate, we try to communicate from the pulpit, of course. We try to communicate through email. And um, we have a Queen City Instagram account. Uh, so if you want to sign up for that. and um, But some of you uh, who are not on the email list that want to be, uh, Travis Johnson is, is standing in the back. He's got an email sign-up list. And that way, um, you can get whatever changes or announcements we make. How's that? Is that good? But we, we apologize for the inconvenience. Actually, we will start, um, actually next month on a Thursday night, we've got the date. Um, I don't have it up here with me, but it's actually on our schedule of events sheet that we start putting out as well. So that's at least three or four different ways we try to communicate. But we have Steve Witt coming later in, uh, in April. And Steve is the pastor of a multi-campus Bethel church up in Cleveland. I think um, Bethel out of Redding, California doesn't have but maybe three other churches nationally. And one of them is a Cleveland church. And Steve is an excellent pastor, very good speaker, and very prophetic. So it's going to be a, you know, a great night of worship and ministry. And I'm sure God will... God will touch you and really do something wonderful for you. Okay? Everybody all right? Now, someone sent me a prophetic word for someone named River that he believed would be here. Is there a river here this morning? Anyone in the building named River? Anyone named River in the children's church? Ah, there we go. That's right. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, Tim Flockman had that word. I didn't want to tell you if it wasn't a good word, who it was. <laughs> I'm so in mercy because I like a little myself. So, yeah, you're welcome. But Tim sent me this this morning. He said, I felt like there was someone named River that would be here today, and it would be a sign that the Lord is about to release rivers of living water. That's a good word. That's a great word. Stagnant waters are about to start moving. Wells that are capped are about to be unstopped. I felt like this specifically related to people moving in ministry that have stopped, even though they did this ministry in the past more than they do today. This will also be a word for the person named River. So that's one. That's awesome, huh? came to church and got a free word for your child. Amazing. 
Well, that's an example of um, how God speaks. Is that reasonable to assume? Um, I love that. You know, God is not saying a lot of what some people are saying he's saying, but he's saying a lot. You just got to figure out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. But uh, anyway, life's a challenge, right? Uh, I had an interesting experience last night. Um, Amanda uh, Hurchin's brother, Adam, Adam Russell, some of you know him. Some of you have been to his church over then, over in uh, Hickville, Kentucky. What's the name of that place? Campbellsville. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't really say Hickville, did I, Amanda? <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's, it's one of the most amazing uh, churches I'm aware of. It's very, it's progressive, creative. It's just, it's, uh, Adam's such an amazing uh, musical you know, creative guy and just a tremendous speaker. We're trying to, we're threatening him to get him to come sometime. We'd have a big weekend, but um, uh, he, I don't know why it is. He's a Kentucky basketball fan and uh, Kentucky is preparing to get shellacked by the North Carolina Tar Heels. And uh, I don't know really that Kentucky probably beat, uh, you know, they're great, man. It's going to be an awesome game. Matter of fact, in closing, let's go home right now and watch that game. No, but uh, so Adam sent me this text basically saying, um, what do you feel about the game? And I said, God, man, I have no clue. It could go either way. It's going to be amazing. I just hope both teams play up to their potential. And, you know, let the, let the chips fall where they may. Let the best team win. So, But as I was thinking um, about Adam... Sometimes we'll text back and forth on Saturday encouraging each other to preach better than last week and uh, or, or to preach, you know, to preach good, man. And um, so I was thinking about Adam reading that text and about him preaching this morning, and I had this kind of random thought that over the years I have determined is the Lord communicating to me. And what I felt the Lord say was, tell Adam to tell his church the bicycle story. I have no clue. I'm just telling you what I got. So I called Adam and I said, um, Adam, I got this. Uh, I thought I think it really from the Lord. Let me just run it by you and you tell me what you think. I felt like the Lord said tomorrow to tell your folks the bicycle story. I said, do you have a bicycle story? And he said, well, no, not really. He said, but you know, this amazing thing happened. I have been telling everybody about. And I said, what's that? He said, my three-year-old boy, Rowan, told me to take his uh, training wheels off his bicycle. He wanted to ride it without his training wheels. And now he is, as a three-year-old boy, he is riding a bicycle without training wheels. He said, I've been telling people all over town about that. I said, Adam, <laughs> that's the bicycle story. <laughs> now, there are several things to learn. God can speak to you. For instance, it probably took Aswan a second to raise his hand about his son named River. 
because you get weirded out when something like that happens. I mean, you, you know, the Lord's talking to you or, or something like that comes and you don't immediately lock down on what God's doing. It takes you a second because it's a little, there's a disorienting aspect of it. But the thing, um, the message behind that is this, and I think all of us need to hear it. There is a generation coming who are not going to back off from taking risk to do things they've never done before. And I believe it's a word for everybody else who's alive that it's time to go for it. It's time to do what you've never done before. Well, Robin, isn't that dangerous? Everything's dangerous. Come on, what's safe anymore? I, if, I, if I was safe, you wouldn't be sitting in this church this morning. I mean, if I'd live my life in a safe manner, I'm a safe person. I don't hurt people generally. You know, there may have been some casualties over the years, but uh, they, they still love me anyway. So, I mean, whatever. But, no, you know what I'm saying? You, you have to, I believe God is going to break off limitations. But we need to cooperate with him because the limitations aren't out there. They're in here. It's the way you think. Um, well, Robin, what if you fail? Well, you, you can't fail if you never get discouraged. It's impossible. Now, you might mess some stuff up, have to recover. But really, failure can just simply be an illusion. It can be the next step to success. And um, I just think we need to, you know, when Jesus, uh, so wonderful, Jesus would feed the multitude with little or nothing. And I would read these verses in the Gospels, and I would see the one in particular where it said, Jesus blessed and break, took, took the bread. doesn't even say he broke the bread. We just assume that's what he broke. But he said he took the, ble- the bread, blessed, and broke. Well, what did he break? I thought he broke the bread. I believe now he broke the limitations that people had put on resources. He broke the limitations people have put on resources. Your mind says you can't feed this many people with that little bread. Well, that doesn't mean that's true. That's just what you think. Jesus didn't seem to think it was a problem. He just needed... um, a miracle starter kit. He just needed a little something to work with. He just needed a token. And I'm talking about tokens again today. Let me tell you what I honestly, deeply, profoundly believe. I believe our nation is going to experience a serious, wonderful, great awakening. But I believe what's in the balance is... um whether or not people will forgive each other. This, this vitriol and hostility and on every side of the political aisle has just simply got to stop. And if you get caught up in it, let me explain what happens to you if you get caught up in the political back and forth and you become a self-righteous buffoon. And don't make me get any blunter. Than that, please. But what happens is you destroy your future. 
because criticism and hostility and negativism as it is continually expressed in people's lives don't just destroy relationships, it literally can destroy the environment. It can destroy the capacity for crops to grow. Please stop looking at me like I've lost my mind. Romans 8.28 actually says that, oh, here we go, that nature has been subject to two things because of Adam's fall, futility and hope. Go back and read Romans 8.25 through around 28. What it means is even creation is waiting for Christians to behave. They call it the manifestations of the sons of God, and then they get all weird about walking through walls and crazy stuff. How about just being a really nice person? Wouldn't that be a shocking thing for Christians to be? How about loving your enemies? How about stop speaking evil? You know, you will curse yourself if you sit in the seat of the scornful, according to the first psalm. Jim Hill tells this story. Jim's our, uh, uh, we, we celebrate Jim and we support Jim as a, a pastor down in Argentina and Paraguay. And he tells a story about this region called, um, I think in Spanish it would be like impenetrable. It's in the Chaco. The impenetrable. And the story goes in the 1840s, the Argentine government decided to kill all the natives in that area and take their land. So that's what they did. They tried to destroy them. Well, when the Native Americans, that's what they were, South Americans, saw what was happening, they cursed their own land so that it wouldn't be inhabitable for the Argentines. And so there's just been a 200 year of hatred and murder in that region between the natives and whoever else happened to come in there. If they wouldn't serve uh, and work for them, they, they, they would kill them. It was a terrible, terrible situation. Well, the Lord inspired some people to go into that area and have a reconciliation meeting. And so when they got there, the reason it's called the impenetrable is because over the last 200 years, there are actually bridges where no rivers exist because the rivers are gone. And when they had this reconciliation meeting, it had not rained for 50 weeks. And whatever grew had thorns the size of 16 penny nails. And it was hard to even get into that region. So what happened was they had this racial reconciliation meeting and pastors and believers, about 3,000 of them, came into a town of about 800 uh, natives there and the Native Americans in that region. And the pastors all the way down there began to stop at every village and f- ask for forgiveness for what they and their ancestors had done to these people. Well, the Native Americans began to ask them for forgiveness because there was warfare on both sides. The Holy Spirit began to break out in revival so much that a lot of the pastors stayed where they were because there was, God was doing too much to get on down there to the, the primary point of reconciliation. But the people that did had this situation, tribal leaders and pastors, 
sincerely apologized and repented. And as they did, one of these, um, I think some people call them dust devils, but it's like a mini whirlwind tornado. It came into town and it hit the platform, blew everything off the platform, and Jim was there. He bolted for the truck because he had had a word from a brother in America that said, when the rains come, run. And the reason is the land is so dry when it does rain, you can't get out of there until it dries up again because the rain, it's mud everywhere. So they bolt and get into the truck. Here's the, here's the end of that story. That entire region now exports produce. Hospitals have been built. Families have moved in. And, of course, the problems of the 21st century have gone with it, some drug addiction, alcohol. But here's, here's the bottom line. When people stopped mistreating each other, it even changed the climate in that region. Now, here's what that tells me. It tells me this. As a believer and as an unbeliever, you cannot harbor resentment or bitterness toward anyone, particularly if you're some of these people that get involved in Facebook criticism of the government. Listen, here's what you're doing. You're not hurting them. You're forfeiting your future. You are bringing a curse on your life through your own bitterness and unforgiveness. Can anybody hear this? Please. Please, you're shooting your sis proverbial. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Now, I'm not thinking everyone in here is like this. I'm just thinking this is such a serious issue that um, the welfare of our nation hangs in the balance. But here's what I believe. I believe the power of God's going to visit our nation and there's going to be major reconciliation between people groups, between families, between individuals that will release something in our country we have not seen, maybe we've never seen. That's what I believe. That's what I'm here to say. Why do I believe that? I believe that because God has given me over the years major tokens about this awakening. Now, I've explained to you what a token is. Um, any of you who haven't gotten these messages, they're on our website. This is the third one when I'm talking about tokens. A token is something small that's a tangible promise of something much larger. Larger. I'm having trouble talking. That would not be a problem, but I, I'm a speaker. <laughs> so pray for me. Who out there is praying against me? We're going to jump on you. I know this can't be my fault. No, I'm just messing with you. A token is a guarantee of something greater. It's tangible proof of something intangible. It's evidence of something much bigger to come. If you miss or disregard the token, you can miss the bigger thing promised. You believe in the token to believe for the full manifestation. How many of you are with me? Wave at me if you love God or are thinking about loving him. Awesome. Okay, I just want to get that hand up. All right, I see that hand. You believe in it to believe for it. You believe in the little thing to get the big thing. The little thing comes to begin to release faith for the big thing. And I showed you the baseball. I 
I've told this story a bunch. I was an awesome baseball player, amazing. Uh, stupendous would probably not be an over-exaggeration. My dad coached in college. He said I was a better high school catcher than he ever had in college. And so I went to college on a scholarship, but I quit to go to the beach uh, in Easter with my buddies instead of play baseball. That's how devoted I was to the sport. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Uh, anyway, here's the only problem. I played on a city championship baseball team here at Myers Park. Here's the problem. I only hit three home runs in 11 years. And I hit all three of them in the same game over the fence, not between somebody's legs. They didn't fall down. They didn't have an apoplexy when I hit it to them. It simply went out of the park. That makes no sense. Say after me, that makes no sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense at all. I I was thinking I could have hit a home run that day with a fly swatter. I didn't need to open my eye. I mean, it's crazy. What's the point? It was a token. A token of what? A token of this. God can do anything great at any point through anyone he wants to at any time. He just wants somebody that begins to believe that. We don't ask big enough. We don't. We don't ask big enough. I'm going to preach myself into a problem here in a minute. Now, Okay. How many of you want to stay at 1230 today? Uh, all right. I'll, okay. I'm sorry. Um, I just got so much to say. I have 30 and 40 year old promises that haven't happened yet. What does that mean? Well, it must not have been the Lord. No, it was the Lord. It just didn't time. I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for some things that I've heard from him over, over the years. But I have prayed and I've asked the Lord, Lord, why have these things not happened yet? Now, I know, I, listen, I didn't get born again last week. I'm not a guy that gets a prophecy on Monday and, and wants to commit suicide by Friday because it hadn't happened yet. I got prophecies older than a lot of people in this room. I got 30-year, 40-year-old promises. How many of you are not 30, 40 years old yet? Man, I got promises older than you. But I'm asking the Lord. Why has this not happened? And and the Lord shows me. I've got my eyes closed. I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, why do I have these promises and, and they haven't come to pass? And and I'm questioning them. I mean, that's just the way that works. And so I saw a picture in my mind of a big scoop in heaven pouring out raisins. How many of you remember that raisin brand commercial? Only there's this big scoop in heaven pouring out raisins. And I thought, oh, that's so stupid. That can't possibly be the Lord. But I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. So I thought, okay, Lord, what's the story about all those raisins falling down from heaven? Well, what is a raisin? It's a dried up grape. Now, grapes are one of the clearest Old Testament pictures of promises in the Bible. When um, Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, the idea was to go into the promised land. So they sent spies into the promised land, and 10 out of the 12 spies got discouraged, and it cost them 40 years. But they came back, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, hey, this is good, we can do it. But the 10 told the two what to do, and then 40 years later, they went in. But when they went in that first time, 
the bounty of the land was so remarkable, one, two men, it took two men and a sturdy pole to carry out one bow of what? Grapes. Grapes, promised land. What's a good picture of a promise? A grape. Okay. But grapes look a lot nicer than raisins. But here's the problem. Promises come like grapes, but they're fulfilled like raisins. What does that mean? Well, what was a raisin used for in a New Testament time? It was used to sustain warriors and travelers. It was an imperishable food. So here's what happens. God gives you this amazing promise. Man, plump, juicy, glistening. Woo! Did you hear what the Lord said to me? Nineteen seventy-three. <laughs> and so you've got this real juicy promise. And it doesn't happen. This is a grape in my hand, ladies and gentlemen, by the way. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. What are you left with? This old shriveled up. <laughs> looking thing. But here's a problem. Promises come like grapes, but they're fulfilled like raisins. You got to eat those raisins. You got to chew on them. You got to uh, let that thing be part of who you are. Come on, somebody get excited. Yeah. Some of you got promises that are old, that God intends to uh, fulfill. Some of you are like Zacharias who didn't have a son and prayed for a son and then finally gave up on a, getting a son. And an angel appears to him and says, Hey, you know that prayer? You quit praying. I'm here to tell you God's going to answer it. Listen, God's going to answer prayers. You've even quit praying. Some of your prayers have a much, much longer shelf life than your faith. Repeat after me. You ready? Robin is awesome. No, no. <laughs> promises, come, promises come like grapes. But they're fulfilled like raisins. Okay. Oh, how long ago? Let me see. 1994. How long was 94? How many years ago is that, math majors? 23 years ago? I got a 23-year-old promise right here. 23 years ago, nobody I knew was talking about revival. They were talking about giving up. Yeah, I'm, I'm for real. Maybe people just started talking about God doing something phenomenal in our nation. But basically, most people were waiting for the Antichrist to beat the dog out of the church and the Lord comes snatch us away before we just lost it. 
Some of you may have that theology. How's that working for you? No, no. But what about verses like the harvest is the end of the age? Will there be a great harvest at the end of the age? Well, the harvest is the end of the age. Of course there will. How about there will be a church, there will be a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? Now, people say, oh, that comes through persecution. I'm going to tell you something. I have seen very few people benefit from being persecuted. Sometimes the church grows. I know, but come on. I believe what needs to happen for us to get where we're going, there needs to be a manifestation of the goodness of God so remarkable, so outstanding, so incredible that it draws people into the kingdom. And I've got scripture on that. How about... uh, I think it's Isaiah chapter 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house should be as In the last days. Is it a last day scripture? It says in the last day. It doesn't say in the millennium. You see, a lot of people think all the good stuff already happened won't happen again until the millennium comes. And we're stuck in this terrible period between great stuff happening. That's a terrible way to think. You're only stuck if, you're, if you let yourself be stuck. You're only faith away from whatever it is God wants to do in your life that's amazing, that could rival anything in the New Testament. Oh, wow. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the, in the top of the hill, and nations shall flow unto it. And it goes on to say that whole thing about they'll turn their swords into plowshares, weapons of destruction into agricultural implements. When? In the last days. Nobody's talking about that. Oh, that's the millennium. It's not. It's in the last days. It's in human history. There are positive, wonderful things yet to happen in human history that God wants to do. For the, for the earth shall be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's a good one. I'll tell you what happens. Negative people gravitate toward negative Bible scriptures. That was really good right there, I'm telling you. Okay, so I'm reading Amos 9, 11 through 15. Is it up on the screen there? Okay, let's read this. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Why? Oh, so that they might possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Let's say that again. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. That's a description of an unparalleled harvest. That's a description of outpoured Holy Ghost like Acts chapter 2. Okay, but let's see when this is going to happen. Say this, Robin, when is that going to happen? I'm glad you asked that question. Verse 14, I will bring back the captives of my people, Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. 
I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. 1948, a true man, President Truman, gave the Jews part of their homeland back. Oh, there's all kind of fights and problems, I know, whatever. But you have to pay attention. This prophecy is over a thousand years old. God, you know, God doesn't start something and then figure out how to end it. He, he begins with the ending and works back to the beginning. He's not like us. Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was a problem, there was a solution. That's God. With us, we have a problem. We look for a solution. God says, I'm going to create a solution unless a case a problem happens. Come on. Now, the Jews' return to Israel is a time clock. Whatever your concept about that is, whatever side of the argument issue you land on. It is a prophetic time clock that sets the stage for a last day amazing harvest, according to Amos 9, 14 through 15. Now, here's the interesting thing. I can't get into all this, but I will get into this part. There's some great old... Um, German commentators called Kyle and Delich, and they're conservative, and they're they their commentary on verse thirteen about the say Amos nine thirteen. Just say that Amos nine thirteen. You see, that was the verse that was giving me the trouble. The plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes. Him who sows the seed, the mount shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. What that is, that's talking about a harvest of an unparalleled kind. The plowman will reach to the reaper. What that means is even while one is engaged in plowing the land for the sowing, the other will already be cutting ripe corn that hasn't even been planted yet. So quickly will the corn grow and ripen, and the treading of the grapes will last to the sowing time. So abundant will the vintage be. And what was just talking about is about an amazing harvest, a supernatural harvest, something unlike anyone has ever seen before. That's what those verses mean. And then it says the mountain shall drip with sweet wine. It's talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of unprecedented um, scope. Uh, and Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came, when the Spirit of God came, those guys' lives got rocked. They got touched in their soul. They got touched in their mind. They got touched in their body. They got touched in their emotions. Uh, uh, critics said they looked like they were drunk. Well, it's because they were acting like they were drunk. They had been touched by the power of a different age that radically, instantaneously transformed them in a way that was remarkable. That's what this is talking about. The mountain shall flow with new wine. Now, Years ago, at church I preached in Pineville, every Sunday morning I would walk the block and pray before, before church. And I was having a problem this 
one particular morning back in 1994 because the Lord was saying to me, I want you to preach on Amos 9.13. And I was saying, well, Lord, I'm not sure I believe it. He said, well, no, no, I want you to preach on Amos Amos 9.13. I said, well, Lord, um, this is sort of going against some of the stuff I grew up believing. And he said, well, I want you to preach Amos 9.13. You know, the Lord, you know, it is hard sometimes to change his mind. And so I, I can't really preach something I don't believe in. Uh, it's like Andy can't really sing something he doesn't feel. There's that, that prophetic um, anointing thing. You need to really feel certain things to do it at your, at your very best. Other things you just have to do. It's just, just a life. But things like this, I need to. F- and so I'm, 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 I'm sort of I'm arguing with the Lord about this because I'm, I want to feel it, but I don't feel it. So. I'm, I'm going down the home stretch, down old Whitehall Road, down to the house. And I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? And the Lord says to me, not audibly, you know what I'm talking about. All this is going on in my mind or my heart or my spirit or my elbow. Some, one of those places. He says, pick up, pick up that piece of paper. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I thought, no, I don't really want to just pick up scraps of paper off the side of the road. And so then I picked it up. And uh, here's where it was. Can you see that? It's a torn up check. Made out to who? Something church. Check number. Check number 913. This 23-year-old promise. You see that? Now, here's the important thing. The, the Lord began to say, what do you have there? I said, I have a check. Said, What's a check? Well, a check is a promissory note. It's a promise. It's a token. You believe the token. Believe in the token to believe for the promise. He said the devil the devil has tried to tear up the promise. But the money's in the bank. Because promises come like grapes. I would say we're in the worst condition we've ever been in in the United States. Any argument? <laughs> so what? Heaven's in great shape. I keep having this, oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got gripped there for a second. <laughs> oh, that's the groaning that cannot be uttered, maybe. I don't know, but... Uh, I, I keep having this feeling or sense that heaven, if there's, there's an aspect of the heavens right now that are like a pregnant woman who's been pregnant nine plus months and she's huge 
and she's ready. But, but it's like this big balloon, but what's pressing that balloon is like an, an, an angelic invasionary force. You see, when God really moves, there's heightened angelic activity. I can show you from the Bible. Do you know every one of you have an angel? Do you know you have an angel? You have your own personal angel. God says, these children's angels see my face every day. Angels are ministering spirits assigned to those who should inherit salvation. To minister for those. There are aspects of ministry that humans do that angels get involved in and make it way more than what the person can carry off. Angels spoke to the apostles. Some, some, of the, some of the verses you find out is angels actually said things to these people, and when they obeyed what the angels said, an amazing thing would happen. Oh, Robin, do you believe in voices? Well, of course I do. Are they all good? Of course not. Or what should you do? Do the good stuff. Don't do the bad stuff. It's not that complicated. Oh, well, won't you be deceived? No, no. People have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive them than in God who loves us, who would not give us a stone if we ask for bread and would not give us a snake if we ask for a fish. My goodness, God has a very bad reputation and it's not real, it's not true. Listen, God will not lead you astray. If you're disappointed, it's not God that disappointed you. You need to hold out until that promise. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Everybody thinks that's a promise. No, it's a warning. But hold fast until your desire comes. God will never disappoint you. Never. Not one single time ever, ever. You got it wrong, but he didn't get it wrong. Your timing was off. He knows what he's doing. Whatever you need to explain to yourself to keep you from accusing God of being wrong, you need to do it however you have to live. You have to do that to maintain the level of faith and appreciation for God that will flood your soul with favor. Oh, my, that was so good. Woo! Now, look at this next verse. Anybody that needs to go home, I'm good. But can I have, I'm going to take 10 more minutes. You just have to do whatever you do. Read that with me. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should. Now. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Whatever God's called you to do in your life until the time you die, he has already done for you. Which God did what? Now, good works. You know, people people in the church I grew up with thought, here's what good works were. Helping an old woman across the street so she didn't get hit by a bus. That's a good work. I'm not, you know, any kindness. 
But that's not what the Bible's talking about when it says good works. It's talking about amazing acts of power. It's talking about people getting healed, people getting delivered, relationships getting restored, households getting restored, people getting off of drugs, people finding jobs, people learning how to be kind to their families. That kind of good works. For we are his poem, workmanship, poema. We are his poem. You, you, you know, if you don't think you're creative, you're wrong. You are a living Poem spoken by the very mouth of God. And he has such a heart for you. Here's what he did. When he created you in Christ Jesus, he spoke your life like a master poet, like William Wordsworth or John Mark McMillan or some kind of a poet. And when he did that, he prepared beforehand Every single thing you should do, you just have to learn how by faith to walk in it. I'm talking about your job, too. I'm not just talking about Christian stuff. I'm just, you know, I'm talking secular stuff. How to sell. How to sell real estate. How to do your computer stuff. He has created you for that purpose. That's not second class. That's first class. Now, why am I reading that verse? Because I'm reading, I'm, I'm saying this. When we have that check, that check, the Amos 9.13 promised checks, what I'm referring to, that check is backed up by the power and commitment and dedication of God. He is going to fulfill that promise. Why? Because he has already done absolutely everything necessary for that to work in Real time. Now, say that with me. The dons of God. I know that makes no sense to you whatsoever. The Lord showed me years ago about a prophetic place to dwell. I believe it's a secret place for the Most High. You can put a lot of different terms on it. And it is a place, it's like a tabernacle or a tent held up by Nine poles, and the Lord told me those poles are called the duns of God. And I thought, what does that mean? He making sense. He said, well, here, here's, here's the truth. If you can learn how to live in that place, all my fullness is at your disposal. How many would you like to have all the fullness of God at your disposal? Well, I began to say, Lord, I don't, that seems too good to be true. What is that? Well, he said, um, everything, um, I'm going to do for you or I'm going to do through you, I've already done. When Jesus was on the cross, what was one of the very last things he said? To be continued. No, no. I gave it my best shot. No. It is finished. And so Here's what God's done. All these promises are in the, in the, promises are in the past tense. They're done. You're forgiven. You're crucified. You're blessed. You're accepted. You're justified. Your principalities and powers have been spoiled. You've already been made free. You've already been healed. You've already been made alive and raised to sit in heavenly places. Every single one of those promises is, it's done. Now, here's the problem. You either don't know what's been done for you, or you do know and you haven't been hungry enough to go after God 
to walk in the things he has prepared beforehand for you to experience. To me, that's the issue. How hungry are you? It's not works. How many of you how many of you have has your faith actually cost you something? I'm on my I think fourth set of friends right now. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, the Presbyterian Church did not think that was a good thing. Next. And they're good people. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying it wasn't their deal and I was a heretic and I just took my power and went home. You know, that happened early on. It happened to me again in college. People come up to me in college and say, do you really speak in tongues? I would say yes. Now, I, I, was, I was a practicing hell raiser the first two years and so this is a pretty significant turnaround. I got up in front of my fraternity and said, hey, I can't do what you guys are doing anymore. I'm, I'm a Christian. And, and that was a really popular move. And so people would come up to me and say, do you speak in tongues? I said, yes. Will you do it for me? And if they were just curious, I would say no. And if they meant business, I would do it. You don't have to get hit upside the head to use that gift. When I first went to college, they blamed the demise of the school on me. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I was a hippie. I had long hair. They thought I brought drugs to the college. I didn't. Those rednecks in the white socks and the penny loafers had been taking speed for years. They just didn't know it. Come on. That's okay. And so they didn't like me when I came as a hippie. And then when I got filled with the Spirit and believed in the power of God, I didn't fit then. Lost those friends. What you believe costs you something. You know, how, how important is your, really, how important is this to you? You need to be hungry for what God has for your life. How many of you have promises that aren't fulfilled? How many of you have them? Let's stand up and pray. Let's act in faith here. Father, we have promises. They're not, they're not fulfilled yet, but we believe. Let's say that together. We believe. We believe that every word you said is true. Every word you said is true. Lord, we feed on your goodness this morning. We feed on your promises. We believe your tokens. We believe your word. Lord, I believe America is going to see a major, great awakening. And I want to participate, Lord. I want to participate. I want to see lives touched and changed. I want to see school systems changed. I want to see refugees and foreigners loved. Lord, all that stuff. I can't figure all this out. But, Lord, based on your word, Amos 9, 11 through 15, Release, Lord, release heaven's answer. 
Release the power of the Spirit of God that changes lives, Lord. Release a level of goodness that no one could gainsay, that no one could find fault with. Lord, release wholesale signs and wonders and miracles and healings. Lord, all that is not for evangelists to to get rich on. Lord, it's for the benefit of people who are hurting and who are sick and who are depressed and who, who need deliverance and liberation. Lord, let that come. Let that come. Lord, give us dreams. Lord, breathe on our dreams again. Breathe on our hopes again, Lord. Give us fresh new insight, fresh new revelation, fresh new hope, fresh new faith for now and our future. Lord, give us new songs. Lord, give us new ideas. Lord, uh, give new business acumen that could be for the benefit and blessing of families, neighborhoods, communities, and lives. Lord, give new inventions. I take authority over the inhibitor. I take authority over the devil. In any way, shape, or form, he's touched my life, the life of my family, the life of this church. You have been spoiled, according to Colossians. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. You were disarmed. I simply remind you, all power was given to Jesus in heaven and in earth. Back up. Back off now in the name of Jesus. Back off hearts. Back off minds. Back off lives. Back off with sickness and illness. Father, we proclaim a season of miracles, a season of healings, a season of deliverance in the name of Jesus. We demand it by blood covenant right according to John chapter 14 where you said, Ask anything that you will, and my Father will do it, that you might, the Son might be glorified. That word ask means to demand by right. There are other words ask that don't mean, that means you demand what God has prepared and paid for your life. We bring it now. We break off everything that would inhibit, uh, your blessing and goodness on these people, God. We speak to our adversary and say, no sickness. Yes, yes. We, oh, I think about uh, um, um, little Hendrix back there. We command her body to be transformed. We command the rash to back off permanently in the condition to be absolutely reversed. Not because I'm loud, not because I'm on the microphone, because of the name of Jesus and the blood covenant right he has given us to health and prosperity in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here comes Eric. Let's give it up for Eric. Hey guys, we have healing teams. If the healing teams want to come up to the front, anybody who has any problems, uh, any pain in their body, uh, any other issues that you would like to have prayed for, uh, we have teams up here that would love to pray for you. Um, love to give you help because we believe in helping one another. All right.
Well, thank you, Lord, for today. Um, go out, have a wonderful week, have a wonderful lunchtime and a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy this weather, and we'll see you guys next Sunday, if not earlier. <laughs>